0: That's the greatest thing. It's so it's such a great pick of them. Howdy, John. What are you laughing about already?
1: Cause it was so bad.
0: What was <laughs> my audio? Oh, because it's going from ear to ear. Well, I think we should tell everyone what you're experiencing here, just so you. Oh, you I share just your I name. just have
1: a I have this headset that I've been using since we started this podcast, and it's finally on its last legs. I think.
0: So the audio is flipping between ears. Well, that that means that those headphones have lasted us 300 episodes, John, because this That's is right. episode 300. It is. Can <laughs> you believe we made it to 300? Wow. Well, sure. I mean, you could do anything 300 times. Does... I mean, you, you can, potentially, but that doesn't mean you do. What do they say uh, most podcasts last, what is it, like six episodes or seven episodes, something like that? I've kind of noticed that with some of the the kind of the podcasts that have kind of come and gone
1: is they they didn't last for very many episodes it's it's a commitment um
0: i mean we i mean it's or or maybe it's not a commitment that's the problem (laughs) (laughs) they're unable to make the the commitment it's too easy to back out of it it's tough coming up with stuff to talk about every week yeah 300 episodes and i just look we are um well let's see what's today friday when is the 24th is that monday that'll be our ninth anniversary Oh, do I get chocolates? Um, a Wonka bar. What, what was that? What were you <laughs> saying earlier? Full, uh, full and filled. <laughs> 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 uh, is, that where, is that what it was? I forget.
1: Well, now I don't remember. Yeah. It's, now it's twisted in my head.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm sticking with that. And I already put that as a potential title candidate. <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, wow, i got to quit smacking my lips. I'm already doing, already doing it. Damn it. You got to bring back the swear jar. I know.
1: It's funny how many things we used to do, um, that we just don't do anymore, but things we were doing to train ourselves, like the swear jar, I know trying to trying to fix our audio ticks and yep. bring up our audio quality. I'm not speaking into a little, uh, a uh, box that I created mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <at home laughs> to try to get rid of some of that echoing sound. Yeah. Challenging rooms are sorry. That was a whiskey smacking. Oh yeah. By the way, oh by the way, what would oh, you bring to drink? Cheers, John. That's another thing we haven't done in a while. Cheers to three hundred episodes. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, what's it called? He- Hewlin Station.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's good. It's it's an easy drink. It's it's a it seems to be mild
0: and smooth. At least the way I'm drinking it, because I have ice in it. It is like a hundred. It's barrel proof. Okay. Or it's like a hundred and ten. Is that barrel proof? Something like mm-hmm. that. God, it doesn't even seem that way though. We well, do have a bunch of ice in it. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I poured very little. Uh,
1: we could you, some more. Well, because I'm gonna dig into this other okay. one too. I think this one's only 104,
0: 102, 102. Only, only 102. <laughs> but this, uh, I, I was so a buddy of mine added me to this Facebook group. It's called Suburban Dads. B o u r. I was gonna say suburban spelled yeah. And I guess it's I guess it's a local group because they they they're partnered with a couple of stores. Maybe it's just one. I don't know that the store will do, will let them do the store pick and the and these couple or some of these guys that are in this group they'll go to the store and then taste samples from the different barrels mm. and then pick one and that's the one that the, this group gets so then the the company will bottle them uh that that barrel mm-hmm. and then we get you know we get to buy it but anyway, I actually left that group and I left all the bourbon groups I was in or the whiskey groups or whatever, because and this one, this one was one of the worst ones. But then I realized they're all terrible. The people are so immature. It's ridiculous. I mean, I'm immature and I have, you know, a immature and sometimes foul sense of humor. These these guys make me blush. I mean, they just make me want to, to leave the group, which is what I did. So immature, how and just in behavior? Oh yeah, and just and also just really inappropriate stuff. Like they, these guys, they they put on uh, in the Facebook group. They they put a video in. A couple of them, and they were super drunk, and they were having their twelve year old serve them um, more alcohol and stuff. Oh god! And it's like, and that's what as a parent, I think if I wasn't a parent, I probably maybe wouldn't. have. But as a you know, when you become a parent, like shit bothers you. Different stuff bothers you now, and that bothered me. And was like, I'm, I'm just leaving all these groups. And plus, they're so obsessed with chasing whatever the 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 scene has told them they should go hunt down and overpay for and mm. be obsessed about. Instead of just like, I mean, I I like the, the groups that do, that they don't chase these dumb whales that, that, again, that someone told them was good. So, you know, you go stand in line or you get in a raffle or all this bullshit or you get up at two in the morning, you'll stand in line. Um, yeah, I like the groups that do like, hey, let's, let's, do a thing where you, everyone brings a bourbon, you know, under sixty bucks, and we'll like blind taste them all, and and then we'll we'll sneak, we'll, and we'll put a couple of really pricey ones in there too, and just to see if like it, what if, if if what do you care about the liquid or do you care about you the know name, how good it brand. was supposed to be or how long you stood in line for okay. it or how much you paid for it yeah or what its untapped rating is or what or whatever What is what does the bourbon world do for untapped or I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there's something, but I have no idea. It's one of those. Well, no, wine has like that wine. uh, Well, there's cellar. I use cellar tracker. Those are the most serious people. But then you have like Vivino and Delectable are the other big ones. I think that are the app based ones. I mean, cellar tracker's crusty, but that's where the more serious people are. I don't know. I I think I've said this before. I don't
1: really nerd out about it. I just kind of drink what I enjoy, and I like trying different things, and I have my staples. I mean, Four Roses, Single Barrels, my ultimate favorite, and yeah. it still shows up on on
0: top lists, unless yeah. unless they're only talking about American Kentucky bourbon. But I'm just so skeptical of all of these new bourbons because a lot of them are just like marketing ideas, basically. And they're just buying like juice from what is it, MGP or IGP? So um,
1: well, a lot of these new distillers, that's that's how they, that's the only way they can start up because it yeah. takes so long for them to age. There, that's their their. Yeah. Spirit, yeah, right. <laughs> so they
0: kind of they start out with doing blends and things like that. it's Also, it's a very expensive experience. Wow, well, expensive to like invest in like in your own. I don't even know what they call them in the brewing and the whiskey space, but like a mash, a mashery. What do they call that? Where they they have to Stillery? you know do all the mash and brew. Well, then yeah. you have to dis, you have to s- distill it and everything. That's that's all just super expensive. So I yeah. mean, I get it. Like just outsource that, and you specify what you want. But I mean, some some some, some of these things are just complete marketing creations. Mm-hmm. They're and, and the, you know, and they if they get the right hype or the right, you know, grease the right palms, you know, they get the right reviews out there. And the next thing you know, people are standing in line paying a stupid amount of money for it. And it turns out it's, you know, rebranded Weller 12, which is what a certain whiskey was, basically, mm-hmm. that got really popular. So, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm also, I'm like a bargain hunter. Like, I buy, um, do you remember the Cameron Hughes wines Mm-mm. that were, he mainly sold through Costco, but this guy would... Um, but, you know, mainly California, but he would source wines from anywhere. Um, he would go to these wineries and, you know, buy just like kind of bulk lots. Sometimes they were already bottled and sometimes they weren't. And he would he would bottle them, but he'd, he'd get really good stuff. But, you know, he, he didn't say what the winery was. So they could kind of they could dump some product to him, turn it into cash pretty quickly. Right. And um, the rule was he just wasn't allowed to say, you know, what winery was. So you could get a lot of oftentimes pretty great freaking wines for like twelve dollars a bottle. Or something like that. Anyway, he doesn't have that company anymore. It still exists, actually, but he sold it. He's got a new company where it does the same thing, but instead of going through retail stores or whatever, it's all directly through his website. It's called uh, DeNegos, or DeNegos, I don't know how people say it, Mm D-E-N-E-G-O-C-E. I think I've told you about them before. i probably talked about it on the show, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I've got like a little buying group now with some friends, and we bought, I think it's $15,000 of his wine now, which is a lot because the average price we're paying for bottles probably... 15, 18 bucks, something like that. Yeah, it's decent. But I, but I mean, uh, you know, you can get a fifteen dollar wine that's it's literally like a because a lot of these wine nerds figure out which exact wines some of these are, but based on the descriptions, they will drop enough hints or whatever. Um, and you know, it'll be like a forty five dollar wine that we're getting for fifteen dollars. Yeah. Um, there was a two hundred fifty dollar wine that we got for like sixty bucks, and that's that's about the most expensive wine he sells, really. So, but yeah, I'm a I'm a bargain hunter.
1: Yeah, I like those kind of. Bring a bottle of blind taste test, or just bring randos and taste them because you can find some good stuff. I mean, one of my totally. favorite wines is one I probably would have never picked up. It's like a, I think it's called Layer Cake. Um, I forgot. I think it might be a Malbec or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Layer uh, cake. But it,
0: I that's a grocery store garbage. It though. is. It is. I love that one for some reason. You like cheap wine? I mean, that's good. Hey, no, I tried I like good I wine. Wish, I wish my wife liked cheap wine, but <laughs> it's just
1: one of those. One of those like easy to drink. Just yeah. it's consistent. Just. It's, I mean, it's not like I'm going to wow the world with it or anything, but it's a, it's a good wine. And I, I found it through one of those, just tasting
0: randos. They have, um, I thought they had, so they have a, a, a Pinot Noir, which you probably don't drink. They have a Shiraz, which is from Australia. And they have a Primitivo from Puglia, Italy. That, and they used to, I thought they used to have a Malbec or a cab or something too, but uh, let's, oh, let me click one. Oh, they have a lot more here. Yeah, they've a lot of wines. They have a cab. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, you know, I definitely don't hate on layer cake. Uh, I'll drink it. You just hated on it. <laughs> I, I did a little bit. <laughs> I also get sick of like this, these same big grocery store brands that they, you know, they, because they're, they're lab wines. I mean, you, the only way you can make a wine in that much production is, you know, you're buying wine from so many different vineyards spread across so many different areas and it's all so price driven. And you just, you do a big blend of it and then your science, your food scientists or whatever chemists, food chemists, fix it in the lab, make it taste right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But again, I'm not hating on that. I mean, if you can get a, you know, like wine you really like for $13 a bottle, that's, I am not, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when, I mean, I, I only go and stock up every so often. So I'll probably buy,
1: you know, depending on the trip, I'll, I mean, they're doing on a bourbon trip and I'm buying three or four bottles or I'm on a wine trip and I'm buying probably six bottles. It all adds up. And there's things that you got, there's things that you buy yeah. because you just want, it, you just want that random drink. Like, oh, I feel like having some wine with dinner and you just grab one. Mm-hmm. There are wines that are really expensive that you get to experience them, to taste them, to to just kind of sit with, you know. Yeah. And so that's that's the difference to me, you know. There are wines that I like just to drink and to have with a dinner, and there are drink or wines or even spirits or anything else that I like to sit and drink and experience.
0: Yeah, yeah. for and sure. And I think those are the two different two different things two different things in my head that that are important. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, I think it's similar with beer, although I do generally like wine a little bit more food than beer. There's certain meals I like beer with um, Mexican food, pizza, fried foods. Maybe. Um, I also like wine with all those too, though. So, wine with fried? Uh, oh, absolutely. And wine hmm. with Mexican food? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, a lot of wines are, are really good food wines. I mean, they typically, you're going to have more acid and they don't have some super power, overpowering, like overpowering. Wow. Well, this, you're talking about pairing. I'm not even drunk. I'm just, I'm lacking sleep, <laughs> is my problem. Yeah. You know, you want it to have, you know, great flavor and a nice acid that's good for food, but you don't want anything that's going to overpower or clash with the food. Yeah. And I
1: think, I think pairing falls on the side of experiencing the drink. And I I, I think that's part of the experience. I think totally when I was saying just drinking with food type thing it was just, I just want to drink something. Yeah. You know, I just want to take the edge off the day. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to waste my big expensive
0: one because I'm just, I'm just going to. I'm just trying to take the edge off the day, and then you do have you know impression wines, wines that you know um, may be really bold and just audacious. Um, oh, that but you can't also, really drink much of, but that taste itself is just or, or that you wouldn't want to drink with food because either one it, one is either going to overpower your food or two your food is going to distract from the the wine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's like too many cooks in the kitchen or something mm-hmm. you know, to can yeah. have. It's like having uh, two co-CEOs, maybe. I don't know where I got that <laughs> from. Uh, <laughs> well, should we pop the stack and get into some Salesforce stuff then? <laughs> we should. I, I did put together, these are just pretty silly, but I have I, I you know, I, I do this thing where when I, I'm listening to, to podcasts and I'll, I'll clip something or I'll make a note of something I think is yeah. funny. But every once in a while, I'll go through and I'll actually do this. So you want to go through those first? Sure. Okay. Sounds uh, fun. Too much, quote unquote, button clicking. No, that's just for the soundboard, I guess. I'll have to put it on the soundboard. yeah Yeah. too much
1: quote-unquote button clicking oh there's a lot of button clicking i could i could go into a button clicking rant on that one
0: i'm sure you could john all right here's my next one it's triggering i'm just
1: clicking buttons i'm not developing
0: (laughs) oh it's triggering (laughs) i'm just clicking buttons i'm not developing (laughs) Uh, here we go there's another good one
1: it's a lot cheaper to change what you call a thing or what you slap on the outside of a thing than it is to change the actual thing itself
0: oh who are they talking about there (laughs) Um, I, I actually have no idea. Um, <clears throat> I don't think they were talking about tech though. Yeah, no, I know they're uh, not, but it's, uh, it seems applicable. All right. Here's, here's, yeah, okay, John, I'm just warning you. I'm giving you your trigger warning right now. Okay. Okay. I get frustrated funny. if my, my inner developer loop doesn't have a compile time under a second. <laughs> 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 Oh, I th-
1: almost threw my uh, very expensive laptop across the room. <laughs> that's how triggering it was. All right. Next. It's a company with almost no profit and nothing but bullshit. <laughs> it's so funny that this is, that's just the tech world in general, that these could just, you don't even just have to say, and someone who's like in the Facebook world could
0: could relate to it or someone that's in the Google world, oh, yeah. or the Microsoft world. It's just, yeah. it's, it's been going on for 20 years now. Yeah. All right. Um. This one, I'll have to say, maybe a young kid warning. Um, okay, All right. Let's not ignore the Larry Ellison thing here of ego. A lot of these guys are see themselves as like kings, and there's and it's true that it certainly is appealing to walk into a, a place and like it's your domain, right? I would. Uh, these are all my people. Everywhere these fluorescent lights touch is my kingdom. I would point you to what does look quite a bit like a penis the salesforce tower i think i could just leave that one where it is right it's literally their castle yeah well it's literally something else too but <laughs> a very phallic castle yeah, yeah
1: it is uh, my wife has a thing where she just she can see phallic symbols everywhere and it used, to, it used to be a game well what's
0: on her mind John? i don't know
1: is she is she not getting enough of something in her life I, or i don't know <laughs> Don't put it on me. Okay, well. But it was just a thing. <laughs> what she said. So it was a thing where we would just kind of, we just, I just started seeing them everywhere. After she started pointing them out, I'm like, oh, wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's a, a, a symbol all this uh, time, right? So yeah. um, let's see. What is it? Oh, speaking of the Salesforce tower, I might've mentioned this. I don't know. I, I'm really bad at this. But when we were in Napa right before Dreamforce, some we didn't do it, but some friends of ours we were there with did a hot air balloon in napa hmm. and they could see the salesforce because the, okay i don't know if you notice the top of the salesforce tower but starts to curve in mm-hmm. you know on the tip um that creates some kind of you know lens magnification and it reflects light i could see it just like beaming it looks like the eye of sauron beaming just light into the sky It was crazy the reflection from the sun oh, but they wow. saw the the tower reflecting from napa wow from that hot air balloon yeah, I've watched uh, some shows about some of these
1: large buildings that they engineered them. They they look great. And I melt cars that are they parked melt on the road. Cars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are people like I think on one of them, there were, they. There's a spot where they could fry an egg, an egg. Yeah. Based okay. on what was coming off of that building. Yeah. Yep.
0: All right. Last one. Whoever was giving requirements to developers are forbidden from specifying how those requirements are satisfied. Hey man, brother. Yeah. Jeez, I thought I would went in on a satisfying one for you, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, unfortunately it, you would have not liked. You would not like the rest of the conversation because they talked about how that is a relic of the past and it doesn't work anymore. Why? <laughs> I don't. I didn't. I'd, I'd have, We'd have to go listen to the rest of it, I guess, because I, I don't remember. But that was their. That was their point. Yeah. Well, that's the wrong point. <laughs> I mean, I do think it's a good principle, even if you can't always stick to it. You know. Well, I've I've gone.
1: And I had some pretty junior developers at one point in time on a team, and I did specify very specifically certain things, including naming of things in the document. Now, I didn't tell them how to build it, but I gave them, um, I'd call them cues, or maybe, um, what do they call that in animation? Um, Keyframes. Oh, okay. I'd I'd, I'd give them keyframes on things. Like, I know we're going to need a certain number of classes. I know we're going to need a class or something to do this, and here's what you can probably name it. And I always said, it's a suggestion. And I did that because there were junior developers and they sometimes found it difficult to name things or how to organize things. So I gave them hints in the documentation of what I wanted to build. Yeah. It it wasn't something I would do for, for, say, if I was building documentation, I knew the team de- developing it would be more senior. I certainly wouldn't go that far with it. Um, so I can see different levels of documentation in terms of how much you put into it. However, I consider myself fairly senior and I get requirements to tell me dot for dot exactly how to build it sometimes, including... Yeah. Screenshots and drawings and everything. Yeah. Which is fine, but it's it's in some ways I feel like I'm so detached from the project that I'm I don't feel like I'm being effectual with it. I'm just kind of a script kitty at that point. You know, I don't
0: feel like I'm delivering some I don't I don't know if what I'm delivering is the right thing. Yeah. I mean I hear what you're saying. Um although I will say that you definitely have enough leeway in your role to to take quite a bit of creative license and to push back and to put forth your ideas and all that kind of stuff. It's the principle. I I know. I get it. And, (laughs) and, you know, you know, again, you have, you, there's, there's what you feel are ideal or perfect process best practices, perhaps, John. Um, Mm. but then there's, you know, and, and it's always good to, to, you know, to try to stay somewhere on those rails and, and, and know why, but, you know, rules are meant to be broken. Patterns are meant to be guides, not, not recipes that yeah. formulaically must be stuck to. Um,
1: so, and that's a challenge in, in programming because you, you start to develop kind of your own kind of library of patterns of ways you do things. It, it almost becomes your signature in some ways. Um, and yeah, if, if you're not being challenged or you're not kind of revisiting those ideas and why you, you were doing them and whether or not they're right for a certain project, I could see it snowballing because it has snowballed for me yeah. on, on certain things on certain ways I do things. Um, and some sometimes I do it and thought I over engineered that crap. I, sure. I shouldn't have used that. But yeah. then a
0: new requirement would come in and going, Oh, I'm so glad I did yeah. that. Yeah. And then other times I'm like, oh, that was a waste. And it's <laughs> and it's just so hard to know. And yeah. and you're never gonna always you can't you don't know the future. So yeah. you're not always gonna get it right. You just have to make, you know, decisions with the information you have at the time. And sometimes you end up on target sometimes you don't. Yeah. Sometimes you throw that long pass downfield and your receiver trips right after the ball leaves your hand and then there's the defender right there to catch it but at the time you le- release that ball you didn't know that receiver was going to trip yeah that was what we call a sports analogy yeah so I apologize to my microaggression to all the people who are listening who don't watch <laughs> sports You looked the part today too you're all cowboys. I am well color scheme and everything it's the season and we have a game Sunday so you gotta be look I have, I have my my jacket I there saw that on brand Yeah. I have my hat in the car just in case I wanted to throw a hat on good to go i'm contributing to jerry jones's retirement as much as i can john oh yeah he needs a lot of help with that he does yeah uh well let's get to some topics since this is a supposed to be a show
1: well let's break the ice with the breaking news that i just found out okay what's that which is uh chris duarte uh who's, who's been a staple of our soundboard for oh
0: a number of years i wonder if she even knows that i wonder if she knows this is her go get your badge oh that's not even the where's the where's the better one i have a better one than that i don't know see this is this is my problem with this soundboard john hang on i'll find it a different way anyway go let's go ahead and i don't want to bury the lead here what's the oh yeah
1: yeah i'll continue so I, i sat down here getting ready for the show and then i start seeing my email and one of the tweets that was posted at me was uh uh a tweet that she posted that said, after nine wonderful years, today is my last day at Salesforce. The eight years I spent building Trailhead are the highlight of my career. Thank you to Team Trailhead, our community MVPs, our learners, and my sales, sales uh, leadership at Salesforce. Uh, more to come soon on my next adventure. Hmm. So, yeah.
0: Well, good. Well, congratulations to, to Chris. Um, I feel like she's had a, a great run at Salesforce. And, you know, to guess she was kind of running trailhead for a, so. a good portion yeah. of that time so that was obviously uh, i would say a big success yeah and so that should be a, a, a nice notch on the resume there that she can leverage to her uh, to her next adventure so good luck and congr- congratulations chris duarte get your <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'd forgotten about
1: that yeah. <laughs> Oh, even in the montages, too. I always sneak that one in there somewhere. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, not that one, but the okay. one before. Yeah. Uh, and he'd do a Halloween one or something for that For, for that one.
0: Well, the, John, this is just uh, an eventful episode today, isn't it? Yeah. You want to do a, a WTF one?
1: Sure. Uh, and this comes directly from Salesforce, a news bite from Salesforce. Mark Benioff named Cavalier of the Legion d'Honneur by the french government i have no idea uh, legion of honor i think is what that chevalier award is. Chevalier.
0: chevalier okay yeah, yeah i don't do like french a, uh, what does that mean that means like a knight a knight or uh so. yeah is equivalent to like the british knighting someone Oh well, he must have given them some money i guess so. yeah
1: yeah according to the article or at least the, the post on it, it was uh <clears throat> uh salesforce's contribution or Help and contribution during the, the whole COVID thing. I'm assuming all the tooling and everything they use for tracking. And I don't know if he donated money to something else, but. Uh, I was
0: knows that um, as Einstein uh, contact tracing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I guess Benioff
1: was quoted as saying, whether we live down the street or on the other side of the world, we are one community. We're connected by the work we do every day and trust and the trust, innovation, success and jobs we create
0: together. Okay. Well, to the whole one community thing, I just have to say. Oh, these these uh, tech billionaires and yeah. their awards, the pats on the back. I mean, I'm sure they view us plebes as one community of plebs yeah. um, that need to be.
1: I mean, I would I would get it if it was like Benioff personally donated X amount and, and really did all this stuff. But, uh, you know, th- there's a ton of people standing behind them that probably did a lot of work for that. And they didn't get a Legion of Honor award, you yeah. know? Yeah. Give the award to the people. It's like who write Steve the Jobs. Job. It's like, yeah, okay, Steve Jobs is the face of Apple, but there was a ton of people that worked on the damn iPhone and and made it what it
0: is. Yeah. Well, you know, um, given a you know millions and millions of dollars, does not on, on, you want it, the soundbite? Yeah, go ahead. If I don't spill it everywhere, there, there you yeah. go. Sometimes it's not enough, though, John. Because did you did you see in the news today? A um, couple people bitching about Benioff. Um, one of them was the mayor of London, who you know, is essentially in Mark Benioff's back pocket. Uh, she's always at Dreamforce and, hmm. um, you know, kind of doing the bidding there. But, um, no, she's really upset with him because he's not bringing people back into the office. And San Francisco has a massive office, office vacancy problem. Uh, San Francisco, New York, all of these power centers for, for office locations are running bare uh, and see that's what i you know I, I assume that most cities are still fairly vacant but i don't know if san francisco is doing i feel like san francisco was harder hit number one because they had just some insane just covid shutdowns and lockdowns and everything i would say more than some other cities maybe i don't I mean know. i would say
1: because because a lot of the tech industry is is um iced or congregated what's the word i don't know i don't know the word but um centralized in California areas like Seattle and San Francisco and things like that, that um, a lot of those companies
0: were easily remotable and should have been. But, you know, there's I, even though Silicon Valley and, and I guess these tech hubs are supposed to be all techie that they kind of like their butts in seats. Well, they do because they like they like to keep you until
1: midnight or whatever. Yeah. But the, and, you know, that's why they that's why they started feeding people at these places. That's why
0: they had game rooms for these people. That's why they had cots for these people because they were there. But Salesforce Salesforce clearly, you know, made the calculation that the message of the messaging of uh, you should be able to do your work anywhere. And by the way, we have all the tools to sell you to do that was worth more to them than San Francisco office uh, vacancy rates. Right. Even though Salesforce is a, you know, because I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many of those floors in, on, in the Transbay Tower, a.k.a. Salesforce Tower, are actually leased by Salesforce versus I thought I heard that companies. Salesforce was trying to sublease a lot of that out right now. E- either that or, you know, Salesforce doesn't own the tower. Mm. They're, they're just, they have a just
1: No, they, they, they already, yeah, they don't own the tower, but I think they have a certain amount of floor space that's theirs. Yeah, I mean, and I'm so sure. They're yeah. sub so they're going to sublease some of that. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. You know,
0: um, oh, that's a different was, flavor. Some, oh, she was mad at someone else. Or maybe someone else is mad at Benioff. I don't know. But again, you know, what are you gonna do? Here I am. I like a. I built this amazing company in this city, and I, you know, totally support the city, and I give money to the hospitals and the schools, and I just keep, I keep doing it. Hold I a keep major doing, conference, I keep it. and it's just, it's not. Yeah, I held my conference, my biggest tech conference in the world. There, biggest conference in San Francisco every year. Not enough. It's never enough. But that's that's the lesson to learn from some of these things. John. You know why no, it's I'm not serious. enough? I'm serious. I want to I want to make this point. That is one of the lessons to take away from this. It is never enough. No. I'm gonna I'm gonna tangent on that and s-
1: use it to complain about San Francisco. Okay. And their uh, did you hear about this? Their 1.7 million dollar toilet that they're building. Hopefully it's a lot of toilets for that much money. No, it's apparently one, I'm assuming, restroom facility, Um, but apparently it's some public toilet they're building in some area, and because of the bureaucracy of it, because they've had to justify this, because word got out about it, and it's been all over the media – but apparently, in every step of the process, there's all these reviews. There's all these different people that have to be in on it, and there's like some committee review. And because they try to wave it off and say, "Well, no, that's the totality of the project. It's not. That's not 1.7 million for the building or for the toilet, but it's it's for it's you know the planning and and the all those different phases that go into it. But they're still only building. It's either one toilet or yeah, one toilet like bathroom bathroom area.
0: I don't even know. Hey, have you seen the inflation numbers, John? Stuff's expensive nowadays.
1: I guess, you know, they got to put more money in their pockets somehow. Everyone's just trying to make rent. <laughs> but in some ways, I mean, it's a project and I mean, I, in some ways I can see how things get out of hand when you have to have so many hands in the pot, when you have to have so many different touch points, when, you know, and and there's Lit- literally so many hands in the pot in this. <laughs> literally <case. laughs> But try to make make it relevant to kind of what we do in the consulting world. I mean, things add up. You know, you can run really lean as a small company and you have two or three people that are dedicated to the project. But you look at some of these bigger companies like Accenture and they have so much, uh, let's say, bureaucracy, so many different people, so many different teams that contribute to a project. And it adds up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, And I I think that's kind of what happens. there's, There's steps put into the process as good intentions that in its totality end up just blowing up the cost of things. So even if you take the corruption conspiracy away from this topic of, you know, where's all that $1.7 million being spent, it can easily balloon out of just having so many people have to be involved in it.
0: Um, that's another kind of breaking news here. This is, again, from Protocol, my favorite new news outlet, actually covering Salesforce. Um. Wow. So Salesforce. this is, um, oh, this is actually, wow, I must admit, I don't know if I missed this or what. This is a week or two ago now, a week ago. Salesforce uh, has laid off a number of workers and implementing a new hiring freeze uh, going through January 2023. Uh, mention where? Uh, the full extent of the headcount couldn't be determined. Uh, Assumed at large, impact contract workers as opposed to full-time employees. I, is that really a layoff at that point? I mean, I don't know. Um,
1: you know, I noticed someone else, um, I think it was Facebook or maybe Microsoft, that, that I think it was Microsoft, where they talked about they did a kind of a silent kind of firing a bunch of people and it turned out to be a lot
0: of contractors as well. This is interesting. Salesforce famously borrows its corporate culture from the Hawaiian tradition of Ohana, which according to custom refers to an extended family, not necessarily connected by blood, by, but by shared experience and community. A Salesforce representative declined to comment on, on the record whether the company still considers the, these contractors part of its Ohana.
1: <laughs> well, that's, that's why they call it a cult,
0: isn't it? I mean, it? sometimes you have to um, take a break from your family, you know. You have to disown some of your family.
1: I mean, sometimes people need to stop treating their job as their family. Yeah, I mean this their is, their community as their family.
0: Pretty sure we've talked about this a few times on the show. <laughs> I'm, we have, and I'm I'm ready to get into it again. I'm just saying, it's just. I mean, Salesforce has never had like I would say anything even approaching significant layoffs, especially compared to their. I mean, how many employees do they have? Like, is it fifty thousand or seventy thousand? I don't even know, but. Oh, they have seventy three thousand. So, well, no, because they were always chasing the growth. Now, if, you, so they, if you quote lay off a hundred contractors and it's a seventy seventy three thousand, you know, employees. I mean, is that? I don't know. Whatever. Um, Salesforce can you know they can just slow hiring or have a hiring freeze, and that that probably is usually going to get them where they need to be because their business is still growing. And if you have a hiring freeze, it's like effectively like you're reducing your percentage headcount, you know, as a as a percentage of revenue or whatever, almost. Now, if you're not growing, that's when it becomes problematic. Yeah. But still, it's 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 a uh, it's it's just a, it's just a tool in
1: in in the kit to kind of just manage manage things a little bit, but especially during these these times. Especially, I've been hearing that 20, 2023, at least for the tech sector is going to be pretty pretty brutal. It might be, you know. I mean, Microsoft. And that's just, why they're doing all this. That Microsoft, Facebook, and Microsoft
0: laid up a thousand yeah, people. Yeah. Um, Facebook just did it. Okay. Uh, Google, I think, just did it as well. <laughs> Intel's re- contemplating thousands of layoffs, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: business is hard. Gotta, They're firing all those people that quite quit. They found out about it. You got to hit those numbers every quarter, you know? Oh, speaking of that, I did I have it? I have it on a topic, don't I? I,
0: oh, I don't know where what you about it? to talk about, so.
1: Oh, I don't have the link. Oh, I read this article about Equifax um, that fired like 24 people. Saw this. I I have to go look for the link but they They basically used their data. They invaded their
0: privacy. They now, used their credit data. Their yes. credit they had in their data. These by the way these credit bureaus are some of the scummiest organizations on the face of the planet.
1: Right. So so the main the what they did is they fired people who they found had more than one job and some <laughs> yeah. actually had more than two. Well, there's a lot of that going on by the way. Yeah. And they basically just I guess they looked at their Income or tax records or whatever, whatever it was that they looked at, they had access to this information mm-hmm. as from the result of being Equifax, mm-hmm. um, and basically detected their way into figuring out who who had more than one job and to get rid of them. Yeah, I mean, is that is that against the law to have one more job?
0: I mean, I guess because you have an appointment, I, don't, I don't
1: think it's against the job the the I don't think it's against the law, but a lot of companies have contracts with their employees that say. You can't work other jobs. Yeah, usually uh, it's like you can't have a. Comp- this is different from non-compete. Competing. Some job, companies yeah. do have have in the contract that you sign when you get employed that so, you're not going to go and work and do side work. So or I can't have
0: like a side like Mary Kay or a, a, you know Amway business or something. Right. Really. Wow, that's it's kind of harsh. And it's it's mainly salary people that that has that in their yeah. contract. Yeah.
1: And it's usually in there by default in most of these salary contracts. Now these companies think they own all of your time. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially if you're a developer, they own everything you do. Oh, that's true. Everything you write,
0: yeah. I'm still having this mouse problem or trackpad, I guess. What I have, it's, it's <laughs> distracting me. Uh, yeah. Um, another thing, Salesforce has ended its uh, pandemic uh, well-being holidays. I guess they were. What were they giving you? Um, well-being holidays. I want a well-being holiday. Yeah. Well, hey, we have unlimited vacation, John. So you can just uh, take your well-being day whenever you want.
1: <laughs> maybe I'm just uh, maybe the new generation like eats that up, but I, I feel like a certain sense of responsibility. You know, I, I'm still in the mindset that I've got like two or three weeks to to use, and I'm like somehow spare. I'm like I'm I'm like chipping away at it sparingly. Like I'm trying to savor them or something.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know if you could t- this, if you could detect the slight sarcasm and within my, I'm not a huge fan of the. The unlimited, yeah. I
1: mean, I, I if, from from my perspective, it it feels generous and it feels like okay, I I have the freedom to take time when I need it, especially something I'd expect it happens, yeah, and it's not going to affect my plans as to do something with my family right. later on, yeah. Um, but I've always wondered if or how much it gets abused. Um, but again, I have this mindset because I've I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> that i've i've only had a set number of vacations ever so i've i've it's been i've been conditioned to only take certain times to be careful about how much i use or track how much i use so yeah it's not something i, I use willy-nilly
0: i guess salesforce had a um a pandemic era program where they gave oh just the engineering and technical staff a paid day off for well-being every month but i mean yeah that's fine though I don't know. You don't know? I think know? people need to pull up their pants and no, exactly. get to work. Yeah, exactly. I mean...
1: Anyway. I mean... P- pull up your pants and get to work. I don't know what to say. I, I just I just find it... And this is the old man John's talking, but I find this generation that, that wants... You know, have you ever seen these TikToks where these people, like, show their day at these, like, giant companies like LinkedIn and stuff, and they... They go in, they're like, oh, I went in and got my breakfast, and then I, I went breaky, and had a coffee, breaky, and then I went to the mindful room and maybe did some yoga, and then I went and played some ping pong with a friend, and then I sat down and did some work. And then lunch came, and then it's like, throughout a whole day, they're playing, and they do maybe do a couple hours
0: of work. I'm like, how much work did you do? And they like, yeah, and my total comp is 480 a year. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's like, <laughs> get a real job. <laughs> or maybe I'm, the, maybe I'm the fool. I don't have a real job that, that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Hey John, pass over that bottle here. Oh. It's definitely different. Uh
0: it's This this is a fun little ordeal uh, cuz Clyde May I don't think I've ever had this. Clyde May's 5-year single barrel straight bourbon whiskey. You said it didn't have didn't say what it was. It Says bourbon right on it. Oh, there's a rye version Ooh. of it that I was look that I was um 102 proof. Wondering. I not in, do not disturb what's going on here. All right, here we go. I get to pop it now. Ready? There we go. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. For
1: those new to the show, that used to be a regular staple of the show. Well, and a lot of people have asked to, for us to bring it back. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> it's back.
1: Yeah, there, there were plenty of... Uh, I think
0: there were... I don't think there's ever been a Drunk Jeremy episode, but there's definitely been oh, some Drunk John episodes. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's been some Drunk Jeremy. I think I'd just try to hide it. I don't know. I think you're good at hiding it. I start getting yak tongue. We've, we've been pretty plastered. And I could swear I've still never seen you at your drunkest. Well you've said that in my the whole time you've known me for more than half my yes. adult life. I've it. never seen you just plastered
1: to the point I was like, oh Jeremy's Jeremy's yeah. drunk. I've so, never been able to say that. It just hurts me too much.
0: That's why. <laughs> I have like an I have a built in governor limit. Yeah. I apparently don't. Yeah. Um all right. Let's see. DevOps is bullshit, John. Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty, I mean, you know, we, we've been hearing this building for at least a couple of years now, but.
1: And I, I read that article and I think a lot of the points are true. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, the title is, is there to grab you. I mean, it does try to make some concise points about, sure. you know, how it snowballs out, out of control. And even when, when we when DevOps was first becoming a thing, you and I were very skeptical about it. We're, we're, you know, people were hiring DevOps and we're like, dude, that's not, that's not going to solve your problems. It's a cultural problem. There's a lot of things that go into it. Just hiring someone and saying you're doing DevOps isn't going to
0: solve all your software problems. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually one of the, he's got like two, um, two like main kind of indicators that you're doing stuff wrong. And one of them, he says, you've got it. You've literally got something called a DevOps team. And I would also extend that say to your point, like if you have titles called DevOps something, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah. You, you've missed the point. You think this is about a brand and it's something, you know, it's some bandwagon you're trying to trying to get on so that you feel good that you're doing the right things trademark. hmm
1: It's also a contributing factor to the $1.7 million toilet. Because they have a DevOps team. <laughs> 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 it's just another piece of the bureaucracy that costs time, that costs effort, that, that developers try to navigate around or or try to set things up to do. It's kind of like test-driven development as well. I mean, it's got its good points, but taken to the nth degree, you end up changing things and trying to modify things to fit that mold, yeah. um, especially for someone like me who's a completionist, and I try to get
0: 100% on everything. And, you know, with all due respect to the Salesforce's product that's coming out, you know, when you start seeing... Uh, vendors produce products that are named after the thing. Um, That's an easy fix. Salesforce will rebrand that away. Uh, yeah, they they probably should because it. I mean, to be, it's it's never really been a great name for it. Um, they're probably come up with a better name for it, it.
1: It never was because it doesn't it doesn't handle DevOps.
0: I mean, it's just a chain set yeah, tool. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably something that someone came up in t- internally and it kind of just stuck and like, okay, let's run, run with that. it will probably get rebranded, but you know, let's let's think of all the things that have that vendors have ruined by taking what was a good movement with some good ideas and, and corporatizing the shit out of it and ruining it. Um, Smart apps, AI, smart apps. Oh, um, AI probably. Well, smart
1: apps is the precursor to AI. It was like these, it's like this quasi automation things that, that they would use to kind of call an app smart. Oh, you do something. It knows how to do this after that. It does this for you. It sends this notification, does that. It's a smart app. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you had AI, which was kind of trying to look into the to the data a little bit more. Oh, that's that's an angry post. Oh, this is a yeah. Now AI, this is a good chance to sell this. It's,
0: the problem is you know when when, hap- when this happens when these vendors do this it it, it waters down the movement the meaning to, to nothing. Oh, Sure, um, because how many people are calling their su- stuff AI when there's no A involved whatsoever? It's literally just some statistics or some skip logic <laughs> in the background.
1: Yeah, or when they they bastardize something so much it forces the people that are actually doing that type of work to have to change what they're doing yeah or change the name of what they're doing what they call it yeah that's how we ended up with like machine learning and now now ml is like part of the buzzword and now we're going to neural networks and all this kind of stuff and they they keep having to move the name and move the terms to kind of isolate themselves from the marketing jargon that's out there yeah
0: and you have media outlets; they'll just pick up on it and say, "Oh, this is new AI." Well, they just oh pair my it, God. They just try to, you know, kind of regurgitate press releases, and, and yeah. you know, they get, they've got to hit their word counts every day, and, mm-hmm. and get stuff that they got to fill in, they got to create inventory to sell ads on. Yeah. So you know, you do what you got to do. Kind of like us. Yeah, which which reminds <laughs> me, this is a, I think a, a a good, um, a good one to play for our if I can find it.
1: Keep in mind, these aren't real journalists, Richard. They're tech journalists. You know what I like about that one That's so a great much is, such it, a great is one. it takes its time to breathe. It does, yeah. You know, yeah. I like watching a lot of old shows because because of that, they they take time to let the moment
0: breathe. Okay. I feel like a, a good jazz soloist. Yeah. What did they what was one of the things they said about Miles Davis, um, and maybe Miles said this about himself. I can't remember, but it's not the notes that he played that made miles davis such a great mm-hmm. soloist it was the notes he didn't play yeah yeah but let's go back to what what else got ruined because of vendors um i would say um oh just in the kind of the integration world SOA, service-oriented architecture esb uh, yeah. got completely ruined by vendors um i would you know i would again Revo- industrial revolutions <laughs> Uh, no, there's no product called that. I just it's doesn't roll off, doesn't roll off the tongue easily easily enough. Yeah, I guess there's no product there, but yeah. Um, what else? What else? There's got to be a bunch that we're not thinking of. Um,
1: uh, uh, I I got it. It's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, centers of excellence. Centers of excellence. Centers yeah.
0: of excellence. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, that's not really a product. That's uh, kind of like these ID these but, C- 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 uh CEO. O-
0: there's a lot of consultants that sell that as a product, Consulting these big consulting companies that you love so much. That was sarcasm, right? And I think that some I people so do that kind—they actually do Centers of Excellence kind of well. Again, if you can manage to avoid all the political bullshit and the hype, you can—I actually, you know, if you read— if you just stick to what a center of excellence, the principles and what it's supposed to do, you, you can do it well. And I have seen people do it well. Well, now it sounds like you're talking about Agile or Scrum or Kaizen. I, I, oh, thank you. That's a great one. Agile. <laughs> um, I mean, that was, you know, this is dec- at least a decade old now, but that's kind of been ruined. Yeah. Let's see. What else? Um The other thing, uh, so the other than, you know, you've, okay, you've, if you've got a product or a title or a, uh, a team called DevOps, you're, you're, you're probably doing it wrong. Uh, congrats. That's not DevOps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, or you're, you're doing DevOps, but it feels like shit. That's this quote, um, DevOps, the free for all where each engineer does the necessary ops to do their job. That, yeah, that's, that's also not really DevOps. And I just, I went through just before we recorded and kind of highlighted a couple of the things. The worst part of this scenario is that, is that deadlines still rule. And here's the bold part. Product stakeholders don't see ops. When's the last time you saw a product manager high five, the ops person say fast effing autoscaler, bro. Mm -hmm. No, they don't. And product managers are incredibly influential. I mean, they, they're kind of responsible. They, they own the product, right? I mean, and the company. Yeah, and generally, I think that's probably fair. Like, they don't. And this is the problem with ops. This is the problem also because I do a lot of integration work. It's problem with integrations. Like, as long as it's working, no one really gives a shit, and it's just it's a thankless job. Yeah. This is this is something that I thought mm, this is interesting. It was counterintuitive to me, um, and again, we're, we're, let's. We have to, this will definitely be in the show notes, but where was this? Massdriver.cloud. This guy's name is Corey Corey O'Daniel. Anyway. I guess MassDriver. He's got a so okay, another disclaimer, I guess. He's got some product. He's got some DevOps product right there. <laughs> I forget. I don't know what it is actually. So but um but he says knowledge silos are good. The silos are a feature, not a bug. Because expertise is a good thing. And not everyone can be an expert at everything. I, I actually added that. That was my last little editorial. My, but well, it's very well said. I guess it's how to how do you capitalize on your knowledge silos instead of letting them cause your organization problems. And the problem is you can't put that in a spreadsheet and quantify. Them. I know. I know. It's hard. Another thing I just highlighted way way down here. This is I'm sorry. This is all out of context because we don't have time to read this whole article. But he says I'm convinced that CICD phase. The CICD phase is the root of where frustration and division grow between operations and engineering. And then it's like, he's at the end, he's like, it's time to bury DevOps. And then he says, show of hands, how many people in your organization think CICD is DevOps? Well, what does Salesforce's DevOps center do? Yeah. I mean it kind of I mean again I'm picking up no I'm, right, right. I'm excited okay. about devops center and i I hope <laughs> you know uh, I'm excited about what it's doing and what its feature is and I hope to get a lot of value out of it um I just needs it's ripe for a rebranding <laughs> it needs
1: to be rebranded and the the only thing that what I'm what I'm most looking forward to at how do I say this without sounding like an idiot is making. Version control more accessible to yeah the point and clickers. How <laughs> to say that? Um, because because we need that. You know we uh, you know developers are contributing to the version system, but all the point and click stuff isn't, and we need it to be. Um, and I think making that more accessible and easier to consume, and then having some, and then using that that version system to drive the push to production so that no one's having to create spreadsheets or documents of what did we change so that we can deploy it um that's the advantage of it
0: i don't care what you call it
1: button clicking yeah yeah i don't care what you call it (laughs) i don't care if you button click your way into version control i just need it in there yeah yeah but there's so much pushback you know the, the, the 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 um Bad habits that admins have created for themselves and just being able to point and click at at any point
0: in time in any to environment. Be fair, everything everything in their ecosystem has pushed. It's them trained to them bad to do habits. that. Yeah. yeah. And now this ecosystem is trying to backpedal that very and, gingerly. Yeah. And, th- and th- those bad habits
1: are exist for developers as well. And we, we've sure. had to train ourselves out of that. Oh yeah. Um, so, so it does exist everywhere on, in all in all facets of, of the process. Uh, it's just that we have the tooling to help us solve that problem. And right now, the admins do
0: not have that tooling to do that. You know, uh, it reminds me of, you know, guys like Anthony Heber, though, who, and you know, I'll just pick on him because he's talked about, he shared, appreciate his, his sharing, but he's shared a, about this, about his organization. I mean, their admins are all trained up on Git and completely participate in commits, pull requests, branches. It, it and I it, it can be done. Yeah, I, I think
1: I think it just takes it, it's cultural, and that, that's kind of what we've always said about DevOps. That you know, or at least the idea of DevOps is that it, it's not a position, it's not a team, it's a cultural thing. It's a it's how you manage things. Yeah, you know, it's it's this idea. Um, it's not prescriptive. Yeah, it's a good point.
0: Not prescriptive. Um, I have a question. That was the whiskey talking about. Yeah. I have a John. <laughs> I have a John. Ask, and ask John. So what we call it? And ask John. Oh, you better enunciate more. I just hear ask John. I, I heard this. Someone told me this the other day, this week. And I was like, no way. Because we were actually, uh, had a team of people on the phone, we were testing an integration. They had a record in edit mode in Salesforce that were editing the record. At the same time, the integration, the integration edited and saved that record, and the person was able to come finish their editing and hit save, and they did not get... So Salesforce has always had... what What's basically optimistic locking in that scenario. Mm-hmm. It would have detected that while you were editing, some other agent came in here and modified this record. So you have to stop and start over mm-hmm. because you don't know what... the which, you know, from a from a user experience perspective, what what does Salesforce do? Do they just like refresh all the fields on your screen and you lose what you edited, or or what? So Salesforce basically just punts. But and this is not the worst thing in the world. They just punt and say, "Hey, you can't save this right now because this record, while you were editing it, got saved by something else." I'm being told that that has been removed. Really? Uh, this and I'm not saying that this is kind. Of, I will just say this is kind of just hearsay. So maybe this is wrong information, but and maybe it, it's a lightning thing. It, it could be. It could
1: because that's well, dangerous. It, well, Salesforce does have a feature that's supposed to, I think, auto refresh dual editing into your screen or something. Wait, what? What is dual editing? It's it was part of that. Um, whole live editing where two people could modify a record and you, you would see their changes or something. I forgot what that was. It was something that was announced and I wonder if they're
0: if that's gonna basically take over that mechanism. I mean that's dangerous though. What if two people edit the same field and then you know you scroll down you're editing a different field and, and the one you already edited got just got overwritten by someone else's edit. Well editing.
1: in and that it's, scenario it's I think crazy. it tells you on the screen that someone edited something and it I think I think because their edit was before yours it overrides or something. I don't remember exactly but I think possibly has something to do with that if i was to guess yeah uh but yeah it's dangerous i mean there's a reason record locking exists yeah no. uh, i sure see my fair share of record locking when
0: doing stuff thanks to well that's um that's pessimistic locking that you're saying here yeah. yeah 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 but yeah salesforce has always had kind of been the ui and like an optimistic locking it lets you get in and edit stuff it lets other people edit stuff but it's kind of like whoever the last person to save kind of, Yeah. <laughs> they lose their seat. The music has stopped stopped, and you do not have a seat here.
1: So start over. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're getting more intelligent with it and seeing where there's field collision
0: or change collisions or something. Mm, yeah, maybe so. Maybe. I mean, they're doing an automatic get merge for you on your record. Maybe. <laughs> That'd be nice. Wouldn't it? And just, and just, swallowing any merge conflicts (laughs) auto-merging your merge conflicts well we're going from from a object model to document model then right
1: Uh, the DOM Mm -hmm. document object model (laughs) well you know there's there's a document based databases and record based databases that's true
0: Doc, yeah document stores that's so weird and why is it that uh, this is can I rant on this for a second or just ask maybe (laughs) I'm completely missing something but did document databases exist before JSON? Because every document database I've ever seen has been... A document just means a JSON structure. Yeah. I, I think they're... And since we did a JSON blob of text become a document, who who, who started calling that a document? I don't think it mattered to anybody <laughs> what it was. It was just an easy syntax to use. I think it was just a term
1: created to sell a new kind of database. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were always meant to be light
0: databases that just had documents. and they'd... What, what kind of documents are we talking about here, though? Like, like, a, has, a, has there been a word document database? Oh hell no. Okay, I mean, <laughs> what, but why not? I mean, it's a document, a PDF document database. Well, at least modern modern word is XML based. Oh, is it? Were they XML documents? Well, oh, that, that was okay, the whole that doc. That's
1: why the docx thing came about because it was a it was a doc XML file. Oh, I don't think that. I think that's a different thing. I don't know. That's yeah. the way I took it because that was the same time that they implemented the the they implemented the XML based. Document to make it more accessible to other tooling or something uh,
0: like well, that. Well, and and that that's not a bad thing necessarily because th- for the longest time the Word document format was a proprietary mm-hmm. blob, binary blob, right? Um, yeah. But if, yeah, I don't but know. I Microsoft the jumped head first into everything XML and SOAP and all that. And I think that was just part of that. But I think that was the reason for the DOCX extension because you still had yes, DOC, which was the original sure, for proprietary sure. format, and then you had the DOCX, which was the XML format. I still format. prefer DOC. I do DOC. Actually, I don't do. I don't do either. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just making shit up now. We've in, we've entered that phase of the show where Jeremy makes shit Google. up because he's had 2 I did, I've actually been an incredibly small pores, but it doesn't take much, more, especially. When I'm I, running on empty here. I have all the
1: alcohol. I've over been there. fasting
0: since yesterday evening. By the way, <laughs> so oh. there's that. <laughs> you pass me something. Oh well, what do you? Okay, what would you? What would you like? Do you, you actually? Let to me try ready? that okay. other okay. one because right. I need it.
1: I had it with ice. So I'm gonna try it just neat. Well,
0: here. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would open it up. and give you some water. Now. No, I'm not a Fitbit. P- oh. Marker. Man, I to mark that. <laughs> oh, John. John's giving me work to do on a Friday afternoon, and you made me hit the wrong button. So instead of marking, I stopped the recording. <laughs> recording. We are now. Okay. <laughs> well, that'll be a big marker, just a big gap in the recording. <laughs> should be. Okay, yeah,
1: that tastes different when it's uh, when it's not in cold ice. Yeah, how is it?
0: It's a bit spicier. I like I'm, it. I I think it's pretty good. I'm not a huge fan of. Again, of course, this bourbon, the suburban dad, super immature group, they were all just like, "That's the greatest thing! It's so it's such a great pick." I'm like, ah, "It's okay. I don't know. I mean,
1: it's it's, it's it's kind of pricey. It is what it is. It's an easy drink, and I think for a lot of people, that it, it's just something you can down." Yeah. You know Angel's Envy is a good easy drink. That's that's one of my favorite easy drinks. Which one? Angel's uh well, bourbon, I don't get the, the rye.
0: <clears throat> oh so you, so okay and there oh, which one is the one that's port barrel? Uh the the bourbon. The one you get. Yeah. Okay. Well, and the rye is some is a uh,
1: it's rum barrel, right? I don't know. I I I, think I stopped my, I stopped pursuing the rye cuz it got so hyped and so expensive. I mean, it was a $30, $40 bottle when it came out, and yeah. then it jumped to like $70, $80. That's I was bullshit. like, I'm not doing that. Yeah.
0: Although $70 is the new $30. I don't know if you've seen the inflation numbers, John, but... Uh, yeah, I
1: think... I think. <laughs> well, this one's... The Clyde Mays was still, I think... I think it was only like a $10 increase. I think it used to be like a $40 bottle. It cost me like $50,
0: $50, $55. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, it's back on inflation. And it's weird because... You know, if you look at the, like the CPI, it's like, okay, well, it's 9% a year, or whatever. So that doesn't seem, I mean, obviously that's terrible, but it doesn't, doesn't seem as bad as what when you actually go to buy things. So a buddy of mine's having his, um, he's re, what do you call it, remodeling his, his ma- bathroom, his mm-hmm. master bathroom? Sorry, homeowner's bathroom. What's it called nowadays? Oh, uh, I call it master. Oh, you can't call it master. No, you can't. can't you? I, know, I'm trying, I don't know what the proper word is. Anyway, but you know what I mean. Main bathroom. The, the main bedroom's bathroom. And, uh, he thought, you know, they were like, "Okay, well, let's budget like twenty grand for this." Yeah. You know, it's expensive to remodel well, a bathroom. That's not right, do it <laughs> <laughs> um, So <clears throat> he basically like no one would even come talk to him unless they had a budget of at least thirty grand, mm-hmm. and I think they ended up at forty-five. Yeah, I want
1: a small a slab patio pudding, and and no, no one will talk to us. And if they will, they yeah. schedule something and ghost us. Yeah, yeah, because it's not. I, I mean, I have to do it myself.
0: It's I'm, like a ten grand project max, and I'm, they don't want to touch it. So I'm having gravel put in on the sides of my house. And by the way, this I only have seven feet between my house and the property line on both sides of my house. Mm-hmm. And to have gravel put in there, nine thousand dollars. I'm
1: assuming you found <laughs> someone that can actually do it because that's not that's the other thing is that people are like it's not worth my time and effort to dry, drive out there and do that yeah no yeah, yeah i mean i do have someone we'll see if he shows up that's the other thing yeah, like, yeah we got ghosted like three or four times yeah. on stuff and we're just like i give up for now Well, no one wants
0: to work everyone's uh it's the great resignation is it that or you know is we just were, hey, we were promised the great the great reset and we got <laughs> we got the great resignation
1: yeah yeah everyone's van lifeing out there right Van lifeing Is that what it is? <laughs> van life? You haven't heard of van life? Van? Van life. I just cruise around in your conversion van or whatever. Or Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People driving schoolies and
0: Home Depot. <laughs> Not Home Depot. Um, U-Hauls. Yeah. Well, John, we're an hour in. Uh, what do you want to to? By the way, I see you have JetBrains Fleet on there. I watched... They have a... They just keep, it's weird. This is how you know you're a nerd. I popped open YouTube on my TV the other day and like mm-hmm. the very first video it's recommending to me. I get Scott I do. I get Scott Wells stuff, which is great. Maybe that's why they, I get Jet Brain stuff too, but um they had just dropped a a the latest Fleet demo because I guess Fleet is now in like public. It's in public get, preview yeah. now. Preview. Um it's interesting. It's it's obviously uh you know their foray into the the modern text editor. Mm-hmm. and what and okay that's cool. Um I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm one of, I haven't checked it out yet. Have you? Yeah. Did you? Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. why
1: I put it on here because okay. I, I. I did install it, and I'm trying to use it primarily to replace my Atom install. Okay. Um. I. I really should get into Visual, uh, VS Code, but I, for some reason,
0: can't. I don't know why. I have a mental block about it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of sad a little bit because, you know, like VS Code is getting all the best plugin love. Um, mm-hmm. so obviously that's where Salesforce is plugging in camel's the best. So camel, you know, has a declips plugin, IntelliJ plugin, VS Code plugin, all these other plugins, right? You can, um, but I feel like the VS Code plugin is probably the best one because I have to get in every once in a while, go into the uh, camel tooling project and fix the IntelliJ plugin. Someone, there's someone else has started, has stepped up and is like do, actively working on it now, but mm. there's been times when like IntelliJ comes out with a new release or of I, idea or what's what's the, what's the, what's the ID called? Intelli- idea called Intel idea. That's called IntelliJ, but, um, and the plugin and the camel plug is not updated yet. And so you can't install it on the new or whatever. So I have to get in and like, mm. see And, and, oh my gosh, maybe I'm just a dumb, dumb. I'm probably not a good engineer, but like that IntelliJ, the pl- they call it the platform, I guess that you, that you would build like plugins on, or even like whole products that, y- that use the, IDE is like its base you know yeah um, it's just it's really big it's a big platform it's super powerful I mean that's you know with 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 power comes difficulty yeah <laughs> to uh, bo- to bother to borrow and bastardize a phrase even though I can't even say it easy for me to say yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, and and I, I remember I was when I first started kind of digging into that plugin. This is like a while back now, but I was I was asking, I was getting some help from Scott Wells. I was like, why is like why is the stuff not documented? He's like, oh, you had to go, you had to go do this class. I'm like, that wow, it's not even in the documentation anywhere. There's like, there's not even any uh, code comments on the classes. He's like, oh yeah, this is just how it works. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the nice thing about that uh, a platform like that is you can just like you've pretty much got access to all the source and you can step through and everything and see what's happening. And which is really like, honestly, if you have to pick, that's the best form of documentation. It is. Yeah. That's what you, when the shit hits the fan or like when you're really trying to do stuff or get stuff done, that is the most important thing to be able to access. Yeah. But um, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. So VS Code kind like gets the most plugin love these days, it's that's where the, and I, and you know, I kind of say, man, um, and I'm, I'm a very, I would say casual VS code user. I use it basically for like um, when I grab some JSON or grab some CSV or a log file or anything I just I just kind of either open a VS Code. I usually I'm just like copying and pasting into VS Code, and then like it usually detects what language it is, and I can. And then the first thing I do is like format it, and then I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just so I'm, I'm super I'm super casual. I don't do any like project work or anything serious in it. But I use, that's that's kind of how I use text editors these days. Yeah, that's how because, I used Adam. Because for my real yeah. work, I'm I'm in IntelliJ. Yeah. Whether that's Salesforce, whether it's integration, whether it's Java projects or whatever, I'm in IntelliJ. Yeah. So I don't think I'll probably ever be like a huge user of Fleet. And, and the other reason I might not be a big user of Fleet is because again, I, I kind of I've kind of gone to VS Code for my text editing stuff. Cause how is Fleet ever gonna have the plug the level of plug support that VS Code does? That, that's going to be its challenge. Not, it's not supporting plugins yeah. right now, and that's going to be its challenge. Oh, it doesn't support plugins? Not yet. Oh, wow.
1: It will. It's on the roadmap, and it's on the exploratory roadmap of whether or not they'll try to somehow enable existing in, IDEA, or at least IntelliJ, plugins to work with it. Mm, yeah. Um, but it's it's built on Kotlin, uh, so it's all yeah, Kotlin-based. Yeah. It, it's using some UI framework. Even though they have their own UI framework, apparently... That UI framework was created after or, yeah, after they had started this product, so they're using some kind of other Skya or something? Uh, I
0: forgot what it's called. I mean, when you look at, I've just, again, I haven't even run Fleet, but when you look at the demos of it, and the videos, it, it looks like it's it a... Looks gr- like PS it looks like VS Code. Yeah, and it looks like a ground-up, completely different UI library and everything.
1: Oh, it is. It, yeah. It's a built-from-scratch thing, yeah. Yeah. So I'm giving it a go. Um, it did... I mean, right now, it's in its infancy. It doesn't have a lot of things.
0: There's There's a lot of I mean for basic text editing, it's fine. But they're really pushing that those collaboration features, and they do look pretty awesome, actually. Have you seen that? mm Yeah. I mean just the I'm a solo dev. I can't. I, I'm, I am too. That's why I don't really care about that much about those features, <laughs> really. I think but, I would if I did. But yeah, I mean basically like it's what was the what was the app that we got pissed off got bought? Because it got bought and then they shut it down. Was it Zoom or someone bought them? But um there was a great um like a remote pairing app that came out and it was around for like a year. I forget what it's called now. But then they got they got bought because someone wanted the technology, and mm. it just and then you couldn't you couldn't get it. and They shut it down. and couldn't get it anymore. But I don't remember. Yeah. I'm sure. I bet VS Code has this too, but I don't know. But anyway, I mean, I feel like I feel like JetBrains and they're they're looking at this going, okay, we VS Code is getting a little too a little too successful for comfort here. Yeah. And there's, you I mean, you can do a lot with VS code. You can, I, th- I bet you can do Java projects and you can, everyone's doing it for, you know, I'm sure they're web projects and yeah. Salesforce projects and everything. And, and so I feel like JetBrains just like, yeah, we, we, we have to do something here. We can't do nothing anymore.
1: Yeah. And I, I agree with them taking a shot at it. I don't know how sec- uh, successful it's
0: going to be, but I, I agree with them taking a shot at it. It's just the messaging, messaging, messaging. Wow it's like <laughs> my meds this morning or something is a little weird because well, i mean it's still early they can't go out full force and yeah, advertise it and yeah. it's,
1: it's still missing a lot of features it's got a lot of gaps especially when it comes to like refactoring and some of the uh, what do you call it um context sensitive help or whatever and
0: and Telesense, which is the and, visual studio word for it and this is this is the weird messaging to me it's like yeah yeah w- this is Remember, we are the amazing IDE people with like the best IntelliSense and refactoring and all this kind of stuff. But we want you to use this text editor product we have that doesn't have, but that has some of that, but not all of it. If you want all of it and all the stuff, you need our IDE. But here's this thing that you can use that gets you some of that because we're we're the people who are good at that. So just trust <laughs> us; it's good for it's good for a text editor. What well, kind of messaging is that? Hey, we build a full fledged badass IDE, but use our good enough for a text editor text editor I, yeah I don't I, I don't I don't get them especially for and maybe i'm not the target maybe like existing intellij license holders are not the target maybe well, they're, trying, I don't think they're it they're trying is. to being in that text editor crowd
1: yeah i mean if if you already have an intellij license you're you've got all that stuff already yeah i mean it's I, just it's just this is a lighter way of doing it and, they, and they've already incorporated kind of like a quick, light-access version of IntelliJ. I don't know how to use it, but it was implemented a couple of releases ago where you can open a document in it, and it's kind of like opened in an IntelliJ light mode, where it's just almost like a text editor version of it. Um, but I haven't found a way to trigger that. I'm also just driving through your topics here. I also see that you got a shout-out to um, IntelliJ here. Um, yeah, I've, I've been meaning to do this shout-out for a couple of weeks now. and it, you know, Well, Scott- we haven't
0: recorded in a couple of weeks, so... You-
1: <laughs> well, well then a month now. Okay. <laughs> um so s- some of what Scott's been working on in in terms of the l- recent releases in in in, in Illuminate Cloud um, has been work on the um the inspection system. I'm not sure what what it's actually called, but the the tool that basically looks at your code and says, "Hey,
0: it makes recommendations." Right. Um it's like um real-time uh, Rich uh, linting in your face, yeah, 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 and and those are the things that make an IDE static analysis in your face, like without yeah. having to run it as a separate build process, just like happening, you know, real time, right in your yeah. editor as you go. Yeah, is that is that fair to say what inspections are? I think so. Okay. Yeah, um, and it it really lends itself to what
1: an IDE is versus a text editor. You know, the advantages of having an IDE versus a text editor is you get that stuff, you get those inspectants, you get that help, you get the, you know, you
0: get the little the little. Things that kind of help you write better code. Yeah, it's just that text editors have added so much of that now. They don't have it all. Don't, they don't have it all.
1: Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of blurring the line of what a what a text editor and an IDE is. Yep. I think in in some ways, it's kind of like this middle ground. Yep. Um, but if I'm going to be strict and black and white about it, then you know your text editor basically it'll give you text uh, syntax highlighting and maybe a little little pop up when you do a dot notation type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but an IDE will give you code inspection and, and debugging tools and all those kind of things. So that's kind of how I rationalize it. Yeah. Huh. Um, and you know, it's, it's just, it's just as it improves, I find myself improving as well. Um, a lot of the, and one of the most recent inspections that he put in was kind of validating what can be static in your code. What can be static. Okay. Right. So, so methods or, you know, things in your classes, or things that you're building that can basically be, uh, isolated from the heap and the stack, I'm, I'm not okay. clear on all the engineering of how computers manage memory. But uh, essentially, um, it just makes these recommendations, and I find it pretty useful because I get stuck in ruts and I do things in a certain way. And it's kind of nice to have these reminders and go, "Hey, you could do this differently," or "Hey, you know, this is this is weird." And I, a lot of it I've learned from using the PMD plugin to kind of inspect my code, and and now with the inspections that that's, that's
0: put into to what Scott's been doing, it's been pretty great. Uh, I mean, I wonder if it. I wonder if it uses like the PMD because PMD has Apex support, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if Illuminated Cloud you know, brings that in and is just like kind of running real-time static analysis on your. I think it's a combination of both. I'm not sure where
1: the line is drawn between what the things that Scott's implementing and, and some of that. Um, I also like you know the incorporation of some of the you know like if I'm writing a JavaScript file or something, some of the just the different commenting and and help. Tips that IntelliJ provides as an IDE itself. So, yeah. I mean, those are things that I think help make me productive as a developer. They help me kind of, you know, kind of find my blind spots, so right. to speak. Right, right, right. Um, so I think those, those things are important. I mean, it's it's why yeah, I use yeah. that versus a text editor to write all my code, which you could, or the dev console.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, God. There are people out there who do that. Oh, God. I, I'm shocked, but yeah. there are people who do it.
0: Mm. I feel sorry for them. All right, John. Well, take us through uh, what else you want to talk about here, because we're uh, approaching wrap-up time. Um,
1: Well, this one, I could save for later. It could be a really in-depth conversation, but I found this article by this guy that said, um, the title of his article is, I'm interviewing a little differently this time, this time around. Okay. I I thought it was pretty interesting, because he basically says, I'm going to try to paraphrase Oh, shoot. I'm going to okay. paraphrase this as best as I can. This is We're getting into drunk John territory here because <laughs> I haven't eaten
0: lunch. <laughs> um, God, we're such lightweights nowadays. Oh, my gosh. I'm old. Yeah. I, I really am. That's that's one reason I don't drink as much anymore. I, the older I get. But that's the problem,
1: I just, though. I know. We're old and we don't drink enough. And so <laughs> when we do drink, it hits us really hard. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let's see if I can get through this. Unless you want to save it for another time. I mean, do you think it deserves more... F- in depth, I think it does because I think it could be a really good discussion. But I'll paraphrase it this, and we'll we'll save it for next time. Okay. But it's it, it talks about the hiring process and how, and and we do this as when we try to hire people, we we ask them questions. It's almost like we're putting it on the spot to try to figure out if they know the answer. Um, and he kind of talks about kind of flipping that on its head and trying to give them all the questions ahead of time, almost like you would an interview versus a interview like a oh like a uh okay. candidate like you're going to interview a candidate you might give them the questions you're going to ask so they can be prepared and have a political, concise political and prepared answer yeah okay um versus trying to put them on the spot type thing yeah um so i think this article did some interesting things and said some interesting things and i think it'd be worth digging into okay um i don't want to like do it now because i think it'll i think it's worth a, an in-depth discussion yeah okay so we'll save yeah. that for next time um, the only thing, other thing I had was uh, talking about Benioff. Um, I just thought it was funny that he said, uh, the market doesn't fully appreciate how committed we are to growth and margins.
0: Well, yeah, look at their stock. I mean, all the, I will say they got um, uh, some some uh, supposed activist investor had has taken a position in Salesforce, so their stock's been bumped up this week quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the market's been up in general, too. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Salesforce, their stock price is trading at half of what it used to. And yeah. that's, you know, a big problem for everyone involved. Um, so, yeah, he's, you know, he feels like his people aren't appreciating what they're doing enough. The market's not, I should say.
1: Well, you know, the market used to be based on profit
0: and loss. <laughs> now it's well, based on growth. And he, No, he's saying uh, it's it's margins. I mean, that's. That's you know at Investor Day this year, which it hap, which coincides with Dreamforce. I you know how how know. ingredients
1: labels put the first thing that's the the most included in the product is the first thing. Yeah, it's, and by, then, it's by um, is it by volume or what yeah. they do those? I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it just depends on what it is, but but yeah, I mean you, when you read it, when you read the ingredient list, the, the most prominent thing. Mm. And to me, when I read his statement, the most prominent thing is growth, and that's always been what Salesforce has been trading on. Well, is their growth? I think he has their to be, market cap. He has to be
0: really careful on how he chooses his words because there's still so much future growth built into the, even though their stock is trading low. To a lot of investors, it's still overpriced, mm. and and there's still a lot of promised growth built into the current stock price. Yeah. So he, I think he has to say he can't just say margins. That would be actually, that would be a red flag. Well, he didn't say growth. He didn't say growth. You know, he has to say growth in margins. I promise you they've workshopped this. He's been told exactly the <laughs> phrases to use, you know. Yeah. But it, it puts everyone at a disadvantage,
1: especially in, a, in the coming years with the inflation and with the, the uh, atrophy that's going to happen in the tech sector. Yeah. Um, it puts them in a position where we all need to pause on growth for a bit and just kind of write it out. And then we can think about growth again.
0: Yeah, but some people can't afford to pause on growth. Right, yeah. because they're they're overinflated. Yeah, that's why I like about private companies. Yeah, yeah. That was not your only. That was not your final thing, though. You have the the thing from Thirty Seven Signals or Hey. I don't know what they who they are anymore.
1: Uh, so Hey is is Thirty Seven Signals, um, but it's a, it's like a it's an attempt to replace email. Um, it is a paid service, though. What's well, a new email? Cl- it's not replacing email, right? It's an email client. It's not a client. It's a service. I know, so but you it's an, pay like ninety nine dollars a month for a personal. No, a year, a year. I'm sorry, okay. A month. Sorry, a but year. It, again, it's not replacing email. It is email, right? You just said replacing email. It is trying to replace email. It's trying to take email and turn it into a m- messaging system,
0: almost like Slack. Yeah, I mean, Gmail tried that, and they have like that stupid G chat talk, whatever. They've rebranded a million times now. Yeah. I think they've taken it, it's it out. It's
1: kind of like that. It's trying to curate your emails. It's trying to give you notifications on your emails. It's trying to change the overall protocol of emails. Okay. Um, I don't understand too much more than that high level understanding of it. Um, And I do appreciate the fact that they're trying to monetize it upfront versus trying to give it away free and then trying to figure out how to monetize it. Yeah. Um, It is going to, it is going to impact their ability to grow and it is going to, it is a hurdle for them when you have free Gmail versus, you know, having to pay for, for an email and there's no family support right now either. So um, it's either business or individual. Mm. Um, so the pricing is going to hurt them a little bit on this project, but it just talks about kind of how they've kind of explored their needs. I don't know how, how much you want to get into it. Cause I think I'd plan to get into it a lot more than I did.
0: I mean, I, I read this the other day and I mean, you can summarize it by saying when you hit a certain scale, the, the, these public cloud, uh, offerings are, are just too expensive and they don't, they just, they're not actually saving you that much complexity Especially now, here's one, <laughs> you know, I will say, like, uh, started it started with containerization, but now, like, you know, Docker, um, not Docker, um, Kubernetes. Yeah. I mean, everyone nowadays, I mean, the, the, if you're doing it the right way, trademark, scare quotes, all the things, mm-hmm. uh, you're doing Kubernetes because you can take your, you know, your Helm charts and everything, and you can go to what you can go to your internal cloud, you can go to someone else's cloud. You can move around theoretically. And Now I mm-hmm. would, you know, but Kubernetes makes that way more possible. Um, and you know, these are, commo- these are supposed to be commodity services. I know, I know, AWS and um, I'm sure all the other ones have tried to do all kinds of things to create to to kind of lock to try to lock you in, even though it looks like they're not because they're just providing these services and they're just REST APIs. It's still mm-hmm. you still get very locked in. You know, it, it's, it's super expensive to switch. Yeah,
1: that, that, that's the point I was I was looking to make was that um, containerization has kind of, it's kind of been the holy grail of being able to be portable as an application. Uh, because when you do use these services like Amazon, and you are a small startup, and you're looking to kind of get quick to market, you might go, oh, well, Amazon has this great API that will help me manage this, so I'm going to hook into that. Um, or, you know, Microsoft's Enterprise Library, I'm going to start doing that. But you're kind of locking yourself in. And there are tools to make their environment sticky, sure, um, which means that the portability of your application is is almost nil at that point, right? Um, but with containerization, because it's so self contained, and as long as you go to an environment that can host that container, right, you're good. Yeah,
0: and and the and the technology to host your container now is an open source thing called Kubernetes, <laughs> <laughs> which you can run anywhere, right? Basically, so. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and I think they make some good points. I mean, it really kind of depends on where you are in your life cycle and being able to make those decisions. But containerization really is the key to to some of that um, in terms of portability. In in terms of true turnkey portability, which has kind of been what we've all attempted to do in the past, but just could never do it. Because inevitably, you're going to create a dependency on some library, on something that forces you to stay. I mean, Salesforce is a perfect example of that. They can't quit Oracle. And they just can't.
0: Yep. And I can't quit you, John. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's the whiskey. Oh, man. 300 episodes. Hey, here's to another 300. Oh, no. God, no. That's too much pain, right? Oh, can we do another 300? I don't think we can. i will be old as shit, man. I think we're just managing the decline right now. Oh, yeah. Well, we can't use that title anymore. We already used it. We did, didn't we? Yep. Well, I'm, I'm glad we still do these. I sometimes I wonder because you never reach out to me to record. I always this is me that has to ask you out on a date every time. I, I always just think you're busier than me right
1: now. Oh God,
0: whatever. You have more integration work than I have developer work. It doesn't has nothing to do with it. We still do a podcast, and you can say, hey, when we when are we recording next? What are we doing? Okay, I'm trying to be anyway. sensitive to your schedule. But anyway, hon, you know, I keep I keep doing it. You're still. I'm good. I'm afraid you don't want to do it. My work is getting taken over by flow. Nah. <laughs> You're about to have a bunch of more work. So, yeah, I know. I heard. Anyway, um, yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, all of this, all of our listeners, this community that has, uh, you know, been along with us for this ride. Never, never would have thought. I would have never thought. I would have bet a lot of money against getting to 100. What was the other one that the other podcast that had so many episodes? They go over 300. Um, cloud focus cloud focus yeah. yeah they have like yeah they're still beating us in episodes they're like over 300 right now okay and i just was they like, might like be like 390 something i just remember thinking about that's not only is that something we're never going to get to but i have no desire to get to that many episodes <laughs> That's
1: just. <laughs> but i think i think where we do win is in number of hours because i think our episodes are always like an hour hour and a half that could be we we've, we've logged more hours than them yeah i don't know how long how, well they're they don't they're not around anymore right I think they stopped doing their podcast, yeah. yeah. And oh, it's questionable how much of ours is filler or not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, no one said it couldn't be filler. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I've got I've got stickers to send out, so there will be another batch forthcoming. And there's been several people that probably kind of the week before Dreamforce and since have sent in a bunch of requests. So, yeah, I saw that. Got those. Sure got those. Yeah. Um. I need I need some IT help though, John. Getting this, I'm I can't I can't write out these labels anymore. I need to get this printer working. This Dymo printer. Okay. And I couldn't get it working because it sets up a damn website, and the and the app used is like just a client of this web server. It's so dumb because it you know some certificate problem. Like oh my god, <laughs> it's web and I don't I don't need my printer driver to be web enabled. People, come on. Some learned learn how to do the web and they're like, Nope, we're going to do everything with a web. Now printer drivers, web mouse drivers, web <laughs> audio drivers, a web <laughs> you don't want me. HTTP, all the things
1: you don't want me to get started. Oh, that, I know. <laughs> you know, right now my dream is, is I really want to learn Kotlin and I really want Kotlin to be my primary language. I don't know why, but I just, I think it's a great new language. I think it has a lot of versatility built into it and I just, I want
0: to use it. it I do. I do like Kotlin, man. Um, I feel like they got, I don't know. I feel like it's a good, it's also a good compromise language. I mean, it's, it's not a pure language. I think it's not purely functional. Right. Um, you can have nullability. You can have mutability. I mean, I do, I, I use Kotlin quite a bit and I'm sure I use it wrong. Um, oh,
1: I think that's the biggest thing in JavaScript ever. That's like, is the mutability is the const
0: the constant, um, keyword. Oh, it just helped help things. I mean, if you, if you use it, I mean, yeah, you should. Oh yeah. Um, Var was such a
1: such a pain to deal with in JavaScript. Yeah. I mean, it was just so dangerous. Well, so with Kotlin,
0: and I know we're supposed to be closing the show here. <laughs> with Kotlin, like, by default, like your types are not mutable. Um, you have to literally put the question mark on it, mm-hmm. which is kind of ugly. You have to say, "This is not a string. This is a string question mark." <laughs> I, it is, but I don't mind. But you, but you, it's to it's to dissuade you from yeah. making things mm-hmm. nullable. Yeah. Um, but even at that, like Kotlin forces you, if you have something that can be but it really forces you upfront to deal with that versus having a runtime, oh, that's a null pointer exception. Like you kind of, unless you're really screwing shit up, you really have to make your Kotlin code really ugly and, and do all the things wrong for you to be vulnerable to like null pointer ex- exceptions.
1: Yeah, versus what I do today, which is I'm, I'm a very defensive programmer. I'm always checking nulls. I'm always like, because, what I, th- what I think is yeah. gracefully
0: failing, because but the really system does nothing to help you. Yeah.
1: So but, you're having to do it yourself. I know. But what I do is, is bad as well. I'm learning it's bad because I don't get the null reference areas. I'm failing gracefully, or at least I'm hiding the failure. Oh, I'm sweeping under the rug. Uh-oh. And so things just look like nothing showed up like, Oh, I don't have any results. Okay. Oh, well, like when, typical web apps. But when, te- what, what's really happening is there's a null error somewhere. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to scale back my, my defensiveness and programming and checking for nulls and just trying to let it happen so that I can mm-hmm. catch it. Um,
0: the, the thing is, this is why like you have a, um, the idea of like a service layer an anti-corruption layer. Because that's where you would check for nulls and you, you don't let anything into your domain that is not, that does not conform. So that all your code in your domain, which is like really all your business logic is, mm-hmm. you don't have to do that defensive programming because nothing should have gotten in Right, yes, yeah, that's, that's the goal is to try
1: to just get to the point where I'm not trying to check for things yeah. because it it should be fine mm-hmm. if it's not if it's not initialized properly, then something went wrong somewhere yeah. that's yeah. that's a bug that needs to be fixed.
0: anyway, I will be sending more stickers out, but we still of course have lots of stickers that uh, that need homes on people's laptops and uh, bathroom doors, uh, you know bar counters turnstiles <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can uh, you can email us info at good and just uh give us put sticker in the subject and uh give us your address and how many stickers you want i can fit up to about like 10 i think in an envelope without the postal service complaining too much um so let me know how many stickers you want and you can also at that same email address you can send us questions for the that we can do on the show if you want if there's something you want us to talk about, uh, or comments, or complaints. Uh, we have a Slack community, which you should join if you're not already in it. That's at good, yeah, www.gooddaysarepodcast.com and just click on community. You can be added. Other than that, just share us on your socials, tell your friends and your enemies. Right over you. be nice to get some feedback write a review on i mean i think apple's the best place or your podcast app or Or just join our our slack and tell us how how we're doing yeah or if you're in our slack
1: tell us how we're doing we don't get a lot of feedback these days i think people have given up though like yeah Uh, these guys have no potential (laughs) (laughs) well you know what i say to that good
0: day sir you get nothing you lose good day sir